This is Channel 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma. I, I do not think that the officers in the Manny Ellis thing, I don't think they got out of their car thinking we're going to kill this guy. I, I have a hard time piloting that. Now, whether or not they killed him, that, that's a whole other subject. But I don't think they got out of their car with the intent to kill. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Welcome back to Citizen Tacoma. My name is Eric Hanberg, and uh, today's guest is Brett Johnson, who is running uh, for Tacoma City Council, uh, the at-large seat. This pairs with uh, the previous interview with uh, Kiara Daniels. So give these two a listen as you are getting ready for your November ballot. Let's get to the interview. All right. Welcome back to our uh, candidate series on Citizen Tacoma, where I sit down with uh, candidates for office. Today, my guest is uh, Brett Johnson. Brett, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So uh, I see in the background, I see uh, Tacoma. It seems like you're calling on location. Is that right? I am. Uh, you know, one of the things in this campaign trail, we've been utilizing Zoom quite a bit for COVID reasons, um, and it actually has become pretty efficient, but I think we kind of lose touch with the locations that some of these meetings would happen. And so I've been uh, trying to make my way around and, and do my uh, Zoom meetings on location from places in the city to really have that connection and, and share my passion and bigger for Tacoma. Yeah, and I see behind you uh, the port and downtown. Looks pretty nice. So uh, that probably uh, teases up, actually, uh, just to, you know, for my first question, uh, what is your Tacoma story? So my Tacoma story starts right behind me at St. Joseph Hospital in 1982. Um, I lived in the east side, actually, in the house that my great-grandparents immigrated from Germany in 1929 until my middle school years, and then uh, moved to the North End, where I went to St. Patrick's School, uh, three years of development, and graduated from Stadium. After uh, high school, I enlisted in the Air Force. It was a four-year enlistment as an air traffic controller. Um, and I continued on with the Federal Aviation Administration and then wound up my, uh, my air traffic career uh, as a civilian contractor for NATO at Kandahar in Afghanistan. Um, at that point, I had been gone from Tacoma for about 10 years. And the path for me to get home was going to be 10 more years. And uh, just kind of looking through my life experiences at that time, I was recognizing that Tacoma was my city of destiny. So I came home and became a local business owner. And I've been doing that for the last 11 years. And uh, now I'm running for city council. This is actually my second run in 2019 um, as a result of some uh, encampment uh, safety issues uh, around my business, I uh, got involved or, or I was inquiring uh, with the um, Tacoma Rail about railroad law and getting trespassers off the railroad line because there is a railroad line adjacent to my building, which happens to be a Tacoma Rail line. And Tacoma Rail happens to be the only municipally owned railroad in the state. And I got really frustrated that nobody seemed to know whose jurisdiction the tracks were for um, railroad law, and that um, 
turned into a four-week volley of emails with the city council and some state representatives, the city manager, the mayor. And at the end of four weeks, I got a email from Elizabeth, Elizabeth Polly telling me that Tacoma Police had been trained on the RCW for rail law and that the Tacoma Police could now expeditiously get people out of harm's way on the railroad uh, property. And at the end of that, I thought I just got more done in four weeks than what my perception is that a lot of people get done in four years in office. I probably ought to run. And the next week happened to be filing week. So I ran and uh, realized I signed up for a little bigger thing than I initially expected it to be. And I was soundly defeated by Connor McCarthy. Um, but it was a great learning opportunity. I actually did go to a manual recount. And I inevitably lost the primary by 13 votes. So for the first time showing, I, was, I felt pretty good about it. And now I'm applying those lessons learned and um, I think I'm off to a good start in this cycle. And I'm looking forward to being Tacoma's next uh, position six at large member. And uh, thank you for, for uh, reminding uh, the listeners of uh, the seat. You're running for an at-large seat to represent all of Tacoma's, not one of, not one of the districts. Correct. And when you think about, you know, all of Tacoma, um, what do you think the, the three biggest issues are the, that we're facing as a community right now? Well, I think well, it's tough to narrow it down to three because there's a number of them. But um, I think that some of them are multiple issues that kind of go hand in hand. I think the homeless issues tied to, you know, resources and some job skills training, recovery. Um, so there are unquestionably, at least in my experience uh, on the east side, some law enforcement issues. Uh, that haven't been addressed largely because, you know, we're very sensitive about, home, you know, the word homeless, which I am too. And I don't want to see anybody, you know, that's down on their luck, not being provided an opportunity. Uh, but at the same time, we have to be aware that people are taking advantage of that and kind of misrepresenting what's going on inside of those camps. Like adjacent to my, my uh, business, there were actually quite a bit of drug trafficking, prostitution, um, just to name a few. And, you know, I know that that's not something that we want in our neighborhoods and, and I definitely don't. So, you know, just trying to work through that issue and unbox it and come, you know, deal with the different lanes compartmentally that are appropriate so that we can get people on a path to a decent life and we can restore and ensure safety for people that are living in houses and, and give the people that are not living in houses shelter and safety also. Um, the other one is planning and zoning. Uh, as we're experiencing all this historic growth, there's, you know, we need some real good, strong leadership and some good policy to make sure that as we grow and the city changes literally before our eyes with all the different buildings that are underway right now, a year from now, downtown Tacoma is going to look completely different than it has my entire ch childhood. And so ensuring that we're not adversely impacting existing residents and that we're building our city right now that we have an opportunity, you know, we for 38 years, good portion of downtown has just been vacant land. And this is a generational opportunity to build a city, you know, and really kind of go from talking about grit and everything we've kind of joked about in the past and, and the city of destiny and, and people chuckle because of this, the pitfalls that Tacoma's experienced over the years. We have an opportunity right now to be the limelight of, of the state of Washington and the West Coast. And this is our golden opportunity to harness that. And uh, I think that that's two. We'll call that uh, homelessness and uh, oh, yeah. planning. Do you, have, do you have a third or? <laughs> yeah, no, I do have a third one. So the other one is 
it's difficult for me to call it police reform. I don't necessarily know if we reform, but modernization and uh, adapting to the, our current needs. Um, so, you know, getting law enforcement tools that, and when I say tools, some physically, and I mean some by personnel, staff that are appropriate for responding to some things that a beat cop is not appropriate to respond to. I think, you know, as a society, we've called on the police department to respond to a lot of things that aren't necessarily appropriate for a police officer to respond to. And I think that a lot of the issues that we've seen societally, you know, lately are a large result of our our inability to adapt and send appropriate assets so that we get appropriate services to appropriate situations and not, you know, inadvertently escalate something that really should have been a real low level, simple solution. And of course, you know, also adapting with, uh, I just went actually to Tacoma Police Department headquarters yesterday. They had some vendors out demoing some of the new law enforcement, I'll call them tech tools. And it's really interesting to see how they've developed tasers that integrate with the body camera, that, but then both integrate with the cloud. So you can track all of that information all the way back to the 911 call. And so we know exactly why and when things are deployed. We're ensuring the camera's turned on. And we also can monitor what types of incidents officers are exposed to. And we can start to adapt who we're deploying where so we reduce the risk of, you know, some maybe deploying somebody who's experiencing PTSD or is, you know, multiple stressful calls and, and they're in a high propensity for making a mistake, even though you know, they're human. And I think we just need to recognize that and, and afford them the opportunity to do, to do their job to the best of their ability. Thank you. Well, why don't we dig in on some of those um, and we can just, just go in the, in the order that, that you presented them. Um, when you think about uh, the homelessness issue in Tacoma, where... Um, I, you know, I agree with you that there's a lot of uh, causes for, for what's happening. Uh, what are the, some of the things that you would like to see happen um, to address uh, the issue of, of homelessness in our community? You know, this is a, uh, it's a really complicated one. And I actually previously held a position, you know, they talk about lower no barrier encampments that I've heard over the last year and for years prior in Seattle, they've talked about it. And I, my instant knee-jerk reaction is, well, it doesn't make sense. We're just going to have a sanctioned area where people can can just, you know, destroy themselves. I, that doesn't make sense. Um, but I had the opportunity to join the Coalition in Homelessness uh, call about a month ago. And I was listening through the different service providers talk about the challenges and, and you know, things that they're working on developing and implementing. And with my business hat, all of a sudden I had a, a light bulb come on and said, well, there's no way we're ever going to be able to get anybody's services unless they're all in one or two locations because we can't just send people caravanning around trying to apply services, not knowing where people are. So I think, and, and even that one's a tough one because everybody wants to help the homeless. Nobody wants to suffer them, uh, see them suffer. Uh, but at the same time, none of the neighborhoods want that encampment in their backyard, which, you know, I can express, uh, um, or I can appreciate that that position, but we're going to have to come together as a city and say we're prepared, whatever it takes, to draw the line and, and help people, and not let the situation deteriorate further. Because the path that we're on is is not a good one. It has not even come close to improving in the last few years. And uh, you know, we just want to make sure that we're providing opportunity for 
for people so they don't there's a lot of hopelessness and despair you know I've, I've spent a good time there's a couple acres that are unimproved around my shop and i've spent a good time interacting it's not just go out hey get out of here interacting with people and asking you know how'd you get here what what's wrong what are you what are you facing what are you up against and uh there's just a lot of it's, this is really paraphrasing not verbatim but a lot of people giving up and we need to give people some hope and some tools so that they don't, they don't give up and I think that's an important part of the, the solution phase. So, you know, so, so there's a lot of things that uh, nonprofit partners could do or things like that. Are there things that you think that the city, um, and, and, and some of those things, I guess, sounded to me like more like what a, a nonprofit might do. Are there, are there code changes or law changes in the city that, that you're advocating for? Well, I think the first thing that the city can do is we do need to in order to stem the tide, we're going to have to take a position. And, and like I said, I'm prepared to work through with whoever wants to work with, because it's going to be a sticky wicket to get through. But we need to come up with one or two, or maybe even three sites to locate everybody at, so that we can then work with all these nonprofits to get them access consistently and know where people are and have a system. And we can have um, you know services available. And as an example, just yesterday on 38th Street, um, on the Highway 7 on-ramp. There's a pretty significant uh, encampment there. And it caught fire yesterday afternoon. It probably burned two or three acres. And, you know, that's a threat, not just to drivers, not just to the, the environment around there that it's in, but it's a threat to the campers that are in there. We don't know who's sleeping in a tent and doesn't know. And if the fire starts, rolls over. I don't know that anybody, that anybody died in that particular one. But, you know, those are genuine concerns that need to be addressed. And it's one of the reasons that we need to get folks into it. Uh, a sanctioned place and then have a hard line of not accepting this all over the place. You can go to our sanctioned place or you can move on, but you can't just hang out. That's a tough one to pallet, but you know, if we can work through that and get to that, maybe a little bit more compassionate than, than that exact verbiage. Um, but Something of that nature is what it's going to take to start to stem the tide and, and get some improvements for people. Um, you met, I, and, and you mentioned on your website uh, when I was getting ready for this call that we should explore a voluntary treatment facility as well as a minimum security treatment facility for those who aren't ready for voluntary treatment. Is that is that what you're thinking about when you're talking about we have these sanctioned areas, but if you're not in that, these are the options? Uh, something along those lines. I haven't crafted it. You know, so I'm in a hardline position yet because I'm still working with you know different different resources and different experts um, to really make sure that we deliver and create a, a program that's actually going to deliver results and not just a talking point. Uh, one of one of the big reasons that I'm running is because uh, you know as a business owner, as a as a uh, air traffic controller, you constantly manage chaos. You ha constantly have to compromise, and you have to kick out a usable finished product. And I want to take that resume and apply it to problems like this, which I may go into this thinking one thing. And after I expand my knowledge, there's a good chance maybe what comes out looks a little different, but it will have results and it will start to improve things for people. Um, have, have you seen uh, things uh, happening that you're happy with in the, that coalition to end homelessness? Or how do you think that that is moving forward? Well, I think that they're doing an absolutely phenomenal job of expanding and creating resources for the people that are ready to take advantage of them. And there's starting to be some movement. I, I haven't been back on the call to track it where we're at ex exactly, but 
um, they're starting to expand there's um, services and, and methods that are you know basically compelling people to hey this is this is not a good way to live let's, let's give you some help let's give you a better opportunity come with us and we'll, we'll get you a hand and some of that's treatment some of that's shelter some of that's job skills there's, there's a lot of stuff going on and they're all components there is no lightning rod one size fits all solution to this so working through with the home the coalition in homelessness and all the other groups that want to participate is absolutely a top priority of mine because like i said we don't really need to take any uh, talking points that, that don't work. We need results. And we have a lot of people that are ready to help people. And we just need to get everybody together and draft a policy that everybody can move forward and start delivering results. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, planning and how we, how we plan our city right now. In Tacoma, there's a proposal. It's called Home in Tacoma. I, you know, I've heard that that um, allows uh, for various, you know, like fourplexes, duplexes uh, throughout the city, as well as some other changes. Um, what's your sense of, of that uh, as, as it relates to, you know, affordability, as it relates to how we, how we use the land of Tacoma itself? So, you know, barring uh, another real estate crash, one supply is one thing that helps address price. But at this point in the game, smaller units, are the way we're going to get less expensive housing. And so the, the general message or, or what I perceive as the intent of Home in Tacoma, I do support. Uh, I did actually write the, the department uh, and got an email back from the manager. Having previously also been a contractor and relatively familiar with building code, so I asked for a copy of draft code just to put my eyes on it and see what we're working with. And I was surprised to find that there is no draft code. Uh, this has kind of just been I think this is kind of a botched PR. I think the intent's right, uh, but I think there's a little bit of a botched PR on the on the on the um, part of the city. And you know, people have genuine concerns. We have lifelong residents, you know, all over the city that are experiencing buildings that have never been there, and now more people, more traffic, more cars than there ever have been before. And you know, we're going to experience that as we grow. But this goes back to what I was talking about about the golden opportunity. To grow our city and i think one place that this falls short is that i see tons and tons of focus on building in, in the proctor district and um also in, in the stadium district and there's so much opposition to those projects which is some of them deserve some opposition uh, some of them don't but some of them do and at the same time you know we have like a brand new street on 38th street in a completely shut down business district and one of these buildings would completely revitalize that neighborhood and I think certainly emphasize getting these projects into those areas and genuinely improving underserved uh, neighborhoods is, is this we're in a unique time right now because of the real estate market that I agree 10 15 years ago nobody would have touched it with a 10-foot pole because if they bought it nobody would have came but at this point people are just looking for dirt and they will buy anything so let's harness the market Let's harness the opportunity and let's improve our neighborhoods. Uh, you also mentioned downtown. Uh, are there things that, they, that you think need to be channeled there? Or are you happy with what you're seeing? Well, generally speaking, we're, we're muddling the right way. I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more in terms of business development or recruiting more businesses. I think that uh, there's a little bit of a, there's, there's been a, 
unofficial official plan, and this is my my interpretation of it. This is not maybe a hundred percent accurate, but it is my interpretation of trying to create a mini tech center. And and I'm not against that, but Bellevue, Redmond, Seattle, they're all pretty well established. The lip, you know, the talent pool already lives up there. Of course, COVID has changed that. So COVID's made so that the talent pool can move other locations. Uh, but there's a missed opportunity in industries that make sense for Tacoma. You know, one thing that I would really like to explore is turning the old South Tacoma airport into an electric intermodal uh, yard for southbound traffic, which would create jobs, improve our economy, improve our ability to get more stuff through the court, or through the port, and it would reduce traffic. And looking at some of these kind of outside-the-box ideas like that are something that I want to be a champion of so that we can get uh, jobs that make sense for people in Tacoma. So we have that creates obviously hands-on blue-collar jobs, but it also creates administrative, you know, office jobs that can be downtown. And very similar, Tacoma Power is working on a program right now incentivizing uh, green hydrogen manufacturers. And I think it's a golden opportunity for us to recruit them too. You know, we have an opportunity here where we could be the center of the West Coast for hydrogen, which is showing itself to be probably the next thing. Um, you teed, teed up a question uh, about climate change there that I think is important to uh, to just check in on. So, you know, this week the IP, IPCC released, a, a, you know, something that is alarming in its sense of uh, climate change and what we're looking at and what's already baked in. And fossil fuels are really at the top of that list of things that really need to be phased out as quickly as possible. Um, I hear what you're saying about hydrogen. I'm curious what you think about other fossil fuel use in uh, the port. You know, the city's considering um, possibly doing like what Whatcom County did, which was to ban uh, additional fossil fuel uh, facilities, infrastructure at the port. if this were in front of you, you know, at the council level, what do you think? So this is a, a difficult one for me to navigate. So I don't want to, I certainly don't want to expand any of the, of the oil stuff for sure. But I would be okay with trading a reduction of oil for an increase of gas temporarily as we work through what's going to be, because gas does show itself to be right now something that we can put online that is efficient right now. Now, hydrogen will come along in a couple more years and we'll replace it with that. But I think right now the golden time is, or the golden opportunity and the recipe for success is to adapt to what's available right now. And I definitely support the electrification of, of as many things as we can. But at the same time, I, I'm not a, a Tacoma Power or a grid expert, but you know we do need to review our grid capacity and look at how much space there is to electrify without creating another issue on the side of that. So it's, it's a really complex issue that, you know, we want to move through that one as quickly, obviously, as we can, but responsibly and making sure that we're checking all the boxes to move in the direction is a, a, a definitely a um, path that I favor. Do do we need gas? My understanding is is that uh, solar and wind, even at their current technologically, you know, all, all it takes is for us to build it and and we could we could move over our, our grid to, elect, you know, uh, renewable electricity pretty darn sure. quick. I'm not going to make myself the expert, but from what I've read, I don't think we need to build natural gas. So I don't support that. Just natural gas in terms of like rolling stock or ships is, is what I'm thinking of, not in terms of uh, electrical power generation. Got it. There is, 
uh, somebody in Germany, uh, I forget which which research institute, but uh, just like two months ago, released that they've created a way to make, I think it was a 50% effective solar panel. And right now, I think we're just barely at 30, 29%, something of that nature. So, you know, we're, we're really close to being able to flip the switch. And of course, the more solar we can get, we're chipping away at it. And it's a responsible direction to move that I support. Um, but it just depends on, and this is not me as an expert, but just something I would want to be cautious of before I green lighted 100% change is, you know, how, how fast can we make that shift? What is our return on investment? What is our carbon emission? You know, there's just a lot of stuff that has to be considered. But in general, I favor all those things. I, I just want to do it cautiously. Thank you. We're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, policing and uh, public safety. So stick around. Hi, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma. And I've been a customer of TAPCO Credit Union since I was a kid. Really, my parents set up a savings account for me, and I've had that account with them ever since. In fact, my first credit card wasn't from a big banking conglomerate. It was from TAPCO, and I still have that too. What I appreciate about TAPCO is that they are intensely local. Just like Channel 253, TAPCO keeps its focus on just Tacoma and Pierce County. They have easy-to-reach locations in the Tacoma area, and when I don't want to drive, I just use online banking. And they still help parents teach their kids good savings habits. The Moolah Kids Club teaches kids about savings, not only through interest on their money, but with special prizes like cupcakes and discounts at local attractions. So if you want to help your kids start a savings account the same way my parents did, check out our local credit union at tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. Thank you to our sponsor and thank you to the members of Channel 253 who help keep us going. Uh, if you like uh, this podcast and the other podcasts on the network, you can support us $4 a month, $40 a year. It's really appreciated. And uh, we can keep doing what I think about as a, as a public service. Let's get to know our candidates uh, who are running for office, who uh, you know could become the leaders of our city. So thank you again. If you're interested, channel253.com slash membership. And with that, we are back uh, with Brett Johnson running for at-large city council. And um, want to check in about uh, policing, police reform, public safety, however you want to think about it, uh, or you know, put the, the contours on that uh, conversation. We have a real crisis here right now. You know, there's questions about uh, the sheriff's behavior, um, very recently, uh, you know, we still we have the officers who, officers who are charged with the murder of uh, Manny Ellis, um, and then you know their continued role or not uh, with the city. Um, there's still a hanging question around you know the officer who drove into a crowd. So a lot is happening. A lot is still up in the air to a certain extent. Um, what's your take on how we get out of this difficult difficult space? Well, the first thing I think is that we need to all agree, as you just said, that this is indeed a crisis. And, uh, you know, I, I like to, as I evaluate this and, and, and look at the issue, I tend to look at it from a business owner's perspective, just probably because I am one. And I think about it in terms of 
you know, what would I do? What, what happens in my establishment when there are trouble with the employees and how do we correct it and how do we get them opportunity? Because the, the first thing that I think an employer's duty is, is to provide employees a path for opportunity and success because nobody gets up every day and doesn't want to go live a decent life, have a decent job, make a few bucks, and take care of their family and themselves. So when we look at this and how this pertains to policing, it doesn't necessarily 100% pertain to the police department to me a large portion of it pertains to city hall and i think as we have moved through the last few years you know as we touched on the homeless issue and there's become really hypersensitivity to really doing or addressing anything within that realm there have been criminal portions that have you know jumped into there and, and it's really when one arm of the city decides not to participate or follow a law and then it doesn't consider the effects or impacts of that on the other side of the city we're putting our people in and when i say that i mean city employees we're putting our people in a bad position not just police environmental services social workers park district people I and mean, we're just putting a lot without consideration of what impacts or unintended impacts some of these decisions make now when we talk about manny ellis you know, I, I still am not an expert on what happened. I will say that, you know, anyone that's killed vengefully on, on is just absolutely intolerable. But I think it's also important that we recognize or at least consider things that our officers are experiencing out in the street as we've effectively told them, don't enforce this law, don't enforce that law. And that goes back to that cloud software I was talking about that can track and manage situations that people are encountering so that we don't have adverse impact, you know, a repeated stress uh, situations on our officers that I think are a large portion of, of why we see events like that. So, you know, police reform, like we said, through personnel, the utilization and incorporation of social workers to respond to calls that are appropriate for that. And we have a legislative process. We need to use it if we don't want to you know, enforce certain laws anymore. We need to repeal them. We don't need to circumvent them because that, that is what we end up with right now and how we end up with a lot of those problems. And, you know, I understand as a, as a politician, why you, nobody would stand up and say that when we need to repeal this or we need to pass this when a lot of people are using you know, municipal office as a stepping stone. That's a pretty controversial position that can cause you some problems. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're all experiencing those problems and we can't have that anymore. We have to have results and we have to have a path for people to have success. And that means citizens, that means officers, that means city employees, that means criminals. You know, you're not a criminal forever because you did one crime. We, that's why we have criminal justices for reform and for uh, rehabilitation. Just top to bottom. Addressing how we're giving people as a city a path to success is going to be the first place that we start in addressing all the different issues. I want to zero in on something that, that you said there, linking um, lack of enforcement on certain classes of uh, illegal behavior with what happened with, with Manny Ellis, because I'm not sure I understood that tie that you're trying to make, and I want to uh, give you a chance to further elaborate. So I don't, this is, it's not my position that this is absolutely what happened, but when I watch it and I think about the things that police officers incur in a day, how many times have we incurred 
or, or encounter, we, as a police officer, encountered a scenario with somebody who's mentally ill, but the police officer is not even equipped to determine if they're mentally ill in the first place. They're not, they're also not equipped to really definitively say they're on a drug. So, you know, if we don't have all of these tools in place to be able to make determinations, we're, we're creating stressful situations where officers think they know what they're encountering and yet they have no tools to actually do anything about it. I guess in simple terms, so, so if we're repeatedly exposing ourselves and then you couple, you know, demand from citizens demand for, we got to do something about this and, and just trying again at the beginning, I'm not talking about the end or what happened in the middle at the beginning of an encounter, trying to do a good job of delivering services for the community as we engage, whatever the situation may be. But because there's so much confusion right now in what is what, what can be enforced, what cannot be enforced, I totally see a, p a potential. And I think it probably is largely you know, not covered where we're repeatedly exposing and stressing and, and the, you know, we're, we're putting our, our police department in situations that, you know, like right now, I, I think uh, the best example is Officers now with the new law that came into effect a couple Sundays ago, you know, the, the boxes to check to engage or whatever are so long now that a lot of people are out of concern for their career are not engaging. And, I, you know, I don't blame them. I, I don't think people walk around here. And I, I do think, I, I do not think that the officers in the Manny Ellis thing, I don't think they got out of their car thinking we're going to kill this guy. I, I have a hard time piloting that. Now, whether or not they killed them, that, that's a whole other subject. But I don't think they got out of their car with the intent to kill. Um, so, and, and so what happens between getting out of your car and not intending to kill and a person dead is a result of the, of the stress, you know, and all these different loose ends that we as a city have not tied up to give people a path on how to conduct themselves and how to operate and reduce the potential for all those stressors to result in something like that. There's, there's a sense that, that some people have that, that the officers who are, have uh, backed away from situations, uh, sometimes very publicly via social media or what have you, over these last couple of weeks are not doing it out of fear of their jobs, but are doing it as, uh, even if you will, a sort of act of defiance um, against a law that doesn't do what they say it's going to do. And, and there is a sense that I have that, that um, some, some of the culture of policing is challenged by the idea that the elected officials are trying to take a more active role in how they want them to do their job. I mean, there, there's always some level of prioritization. You know, it's illegal to smoke in parks, but we don't ask our officers to patrol parks looking for smokers. Um, so I guess what I would say is, you know, to that that's, that's an, another angle on what's happening, which is uh, a, a, what feels like sometimes contempt from the officers for uh, for the for changes and how their community might ask them through their elected officials to be policed, and I'm and I'm wondering 
if if what your take on that would be well i think as we're looking at this in the vacuum after the events that we've experienced not only here in tacoma but just nationally in the last 16 to 18 months absolutely there could be some activism within the department um but i again i'll go back to just like i have a hard time believing that the police got out of their car with intent to kill um I don't think that the legislators intended to put police in a bad position either. You know, and it, this is a position where we need to look more thoroughly at unintended consequences. And really the art, you know, part of this is my perception. If I think back to, you know, what my understanding of one of the most um, result uh, bearing political periods would be the late nineties with president Clinton and Newt Gingrich and they balanced the budget and there was compromise left and right. And look what we did. It did, did tons of great things for tons of people. And we weren't divided and we weren't fighting each other. And it seems to me there's a general sense of compromise gone. And I think we see, you know, we see the results of that in all over the place. Things just like this. There's no, there's, there's no single right or wrong. There's a lot of problems and there's a lot of places that have shown, fallen short of really looking through a whole entire scenario but just like the homeless thing so we wanted to say yes we need to round everybody up and put them in a, in a sanctioned area well that's that's a great start but that's not the end and if we if somebody thought that's the end then that creates a situation just like what we're looking at it has to be all the way through 100 percent to result otherwise you're going to see stuff like this okay thank you um is there something we haven't addressed, not one of the big issues affecting Tacoma, but just something uh, that's a passion for you that you'd like to see happen in our city? Um, you know, really, I think <laughs> I'm kind of a little bit of like a, a big idea, tech gadget gizmo kind of guru. And, you know, to me, I think, that, that green hydrogen thing that we talked about, I think would be an opportunity, a golden opportunity for the city, for climate change, for jobs, and for putting ourselves back on the map. You know, we did, nobody, not very many people know this, but Ben Cheney, the Cheney Stadium's uh, named after, actually developed the uh, dimensional lumber system, two by four, two by eight. Things, have, things that have impacted the country and even the world have come out of Tacoma, and we need to get back to that. Because we have potential, we got great people, we got great ideas, we have great resources. We need to utilize them and and be dream big and, and deliver big. Great. Um, how about a time for a for a, a, a closing pitch? Why vote? Why vote for Brett Johnson uh, uh, in uh, November's general election? So we've we've talked to you about some pretty controversial things, and I got to be honest with you, I've gone down the road of being more direct with you than I have with anybody so far. So. Hopefully that's uh, to my benefit, not to my, my pitfall. Um, but I will say, I hope that as I've talked about all of these controversial issues and the need to get through them thoroughly and make sure we don't have un unintended consequences, it, it displays the, the, big, the big picture thinking and how many moving parts that I, could, I, I see. And you know, in the spirit of nonpartisanship, while a lot of people know, and some people don't know, that I am actually a Republican precinct committee officer in the 27th legislative district. But it doesn't mean I'm running to represent the Republican Party here. 
I'm running to represent myself and my neighbors and my family because we have a great city and we have a bad situation and we need to work with everybody because everybody does have, they have an interest and they have important things to share and important concerns that need to be looked at and addressed as we work through all our different issues. And I'd just like to say here, this will be the first time that I announce it, as a sign of my nonpartisanship and my commitment to it, I am endorsing Ann Artman for City Council Position 5, and I hope that she can be a, a big part of our addressing homeless issues with her experience in uh, owning and operating the Recovery Cafe. And I also endorse Mary Bacon for Port Commission Number 4, and I think her science background and her uh, labor background will be a critical part of helping us address environmental uh, policy that makes sense and to create more opportunity and living wage jobs in the port. So I'm, I'm committed to working with everybody who wants to get results. And I think if you want results and somebody who's willing to work through some stuff and compromise with people, I'm, I'm your candidate and I would appreciate your vote. Thank you. And if uh, someone wants to find you on the internet, where can they do that? So the campaign website is Brett, B-R-E-T-T, 4, F-O-R, council.org. Or you can find the Facebook page at Brett Johnson for Tacoma City Council from a Facebook search. Okay. And I will uh, put uh, put a link to your website in the show notes for sure so that people uh, can also find that there as well. Uh, Brett, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and uh, talking things through. And uh, thank you. Thanks for letting me go down the rabbit hole. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.